Well, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Euphoria brought on their special episode number two. This is all about jewels. And broke my heart, ripped it to pieces. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but she's trans. And she's just talking about how her... Oh, God. I can't even go. She's talking to a therapist. The whole episode is her talking to a therapist. And she's having flashbacks and stuff. But she's talking about transitioning for her always felt like it was spiritual it was hers alone and it's just oh the message was really great and I love that show so freaking much so it was very exciting I think it just came out yesterday the day before and I watched it yesterday and then Search Party I don't know if you've ever seen that show Mm -hmm. it started out on TBS and they moved it to um, HBO Max I think the first two seasons were on TBS and now they're on HBO it's weird it's like this really awful group of friends from college and they're just horrible horrible people And they see a missing persons poster and it's another girl that they went to college with. And the main girl, Dory, gets obsessed with trying to find her. She thinks there's this big mystery that she's missing. And her her boyfriend and her um, gay best friend and her like superficial friend get wrapped into it. And now it's on season four. The first two seasons are good. Third got really weird. Fourth is super weird, but I'm still watching it. And well, we we talked about it. Night Stalker on Netflix. That was so good. So, Mm -hmm. so good. And I watched on ID, The Crimes That Changed Us. I watched the Andrea Yates and the Richard Jewell Olympic Bomber episode. Both very good. Information I did not know about changed my whole perspective on both cases. So, very interesting. Well, let's see. We have been watching... There's this show on Netflix. It's called The American Barbecue Showdown, and it's like a food competition show, but it's all about barbecue, as you would imagine. And it's pretty interesting, but I I don't really like watching it because we watch it at like nine o'clock at night, and then every time (laughs) it's done, I'm starving. We've also been watching, they put new episodes of Inside the World's Toughest Prisons on Netflix, and that's a really interesting show. It's about this guy who was in prison in England for, I think it was 12 years, for a crime that he didn't commit that he was eventually uh, let out of prison for, and now he goes around to all these prisons everywhere in the world, and he experiences what it's like behind bars there. He stays with the prisoners, but he also goes around with the staff and asks them how things work there, and it's it's pretty interesting. And then we watched the first Star Trek, the, like, reboot with Chris Pine. Oh, yeah. And I, I love those movies, and my son likes everything anything to do with space and I was like well maybe you could be an astronaut maybe you could be on space force and he was like maybe I'll just be an actor who pretends to go into space it's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that works too those space movies like not Star Trek but like the ones with astronauts they to me are so claustrophobic and I'm claustrophobic and it just ugh. oh yeah they oh, freak me, they freak me out I, it makes me it makes me really very anxious to watch those kind of movies so Tweed and I watched this documentary on Amazon last night and I'm gonna have to look really quick to see what it was called it was about this Russian submersible vehicle that um, some British people came over and with the Russians went down in this submersible vehicle to like take samples around these like thermal zones of the ocean where it's really really hot and this submersible 
I swear, was like, is like the size of the chair I sit in to watch these shows. And they had, I think, three people on this thing. And the whole time I was just, I was like, nope, 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 nope. I don't understand people who can do that. It, it was amazing. I can't handle ice road truckers because I couldn't go across <laughs> that thing because I have a very, very high fight or flight. I would want to be out of it immediately and I yeah. wouldn't be able to. Being stuck somewhere. Even like I flew to Italy and I still don't know how because the being in the plane was awful. It was so awful. Anyway. Hi, everybody. Welcome to That's So Original podcast, the podcast that talks to you about original streaming TV series and movies. And we are back today with episode two of Bridgerton. And Tiffany, how about you start us off today? Okay. Episode two titled Shock and Delight opens on, we see a maid service type person. I don't know what these are. People are they're ma- I've maids. I've been calling them maids. There's, all, there's all like a housekeeper them. that runs the whole mm-hmm. deal and then there's maids. But I think it's a maid. But this woman is running through a castle, palace, big home as we hear a woman screaming in childbirth. She gets to the room and the maids are all screaming, push your grace, push your grace. And outside there are a million dudes smoking, drinking, and one dude is pacing. Lady Danbury comes in and she comes to these big group of guys and she's like, um, are you going in? Because if you're not going in, I'm going to go in. They're like, no, we are told this is no place for a lady. She's like, someone needs to be in there. And if it's not her husband, then who? So we see that her husband is the guy who's been pacing. He's a dick. The Duke of Hastings. He storms into the rooms. He's screaming, what is it? What is it? And she's barely crowning. So like, what the fuck? (laughs) Finally, she pushes, and we're told it's a boy, and the boy is not even, they don't even look at the mother. They immediately hand him to dad, Duke Hastings. Mom is hemorrhaging badly. He brings the baby out to show the man. The baby hasn't even wiped off. We, don't even, we haven't heard the baby cry. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Lady Danbury comes and sits down next to mom, and she's smiling, and the mom's name is Sarah. And mom Sarah says, I finally gave him a son, and then immediately collapses. And... I'm confused. Is Danbury Sarah's sister? We find out later their connection. But I was like, I don't, I don't even know what's happening here. So mom dies and baby is named Simon. So this is all Simon's birth story because we needed this apparently. Actually, Simon's name is Simon Arthur Henry Fitzranolf Bassett. And I'm like, maybe that's why he hates his father because that's too many names. That's a lot of names. So it's too much. The scene immediately cuts to modern day Simon. Well, not modern day. In part of the story, you know. Looking at the room where his mother gave birth and where she died, which is covered in sheets. There's sheets over the bed. There's sheets over all the furniture. And the maid walks by and she says, would you like this room arranged for you, sir? And And he says no. And I was like, does he have memories of his birth? Like, why is he looking at it so longingly? He's like, oh, yeah, she bled out right there. It was awesome. It's so weird. I know. Oh, okay. So we hear Lady Whistledown, and she says, there will forever be just two words that come to this author's mind the morning after any good party. Shock and delight. So there's your title. Hey, there's your title. They said it in the show. 
We see the queen now in a golden bathtub getting scrubbed down from a few of her servants' maids. Uh, Another girl maid, whatever, rushes into the bathroom and she's like, it has arrived, your majesty. And given the whole world and the whole room a show, the queen like stands up in the bathroom and says, at once, at once. And it's Lady Whistledown's gossip rag. In it, she is going on and on about Miss Daphne Bridgerton. Now, instead of a has-been, she's the, quote, illustrious debutante who was seen dancing with the Duke of Hastings. And Not once, but twice. Yes, not once, but twice. And meanwhile, as the queen is standing there naked reading this, we're seeing scenes of Daphne in, like, a dressing room and the Duke in his bedroom with some chick sleeping in his bed. He's like getting dressed and she's like, where are you going? I'm like, to be a duke, lady. Bye. You know, he's like, I'm going to promenade. Like, (laughs) So uh, on the lake where they promenade, which is pretty much where they go to be seen. Like, this is just, this is like the row. It's not the hooker row, but it's the row. (laughs) (laughs) Simon and Daphne are fake laughing together as Mama Bridge and Lady Danbury watch. And these two are eaten up, the fact that these two people are, are, are getting mm-hmm. along. They love their laughing together because life as a duchess requires a sense of humor. Hosting balls, greeting foreign dignitaries. She won't just be in society. She will be leading society. All right, calm down. Then we cut back to Simon and Daphne, who are fighting over how many balls they will tend together. Daphne is gunning hard for eight. Simon is appalled. Going to all these balls will make him pray for all the mothers and their daughters. And Daphne insists... She has to marry her first season. And I was like, wait a second. This is her first season. Is she 16? What is the age that they're okay to do this? I don't know. I don't, I need to know. Because I can't imagine it's 18 because they married a lot younger than that back then. So I don't, hmm. He says he's going to agree to four balls. She says six and you must send flowers. And she's like, if you were truly courting me, you would buy out every florist in town. And he looks at her, and I love, he says, if I was truly courting you, I'd only need five minutes alone in a drawing room. And I was like, oh. Uh, we get it. You're a sex god. Jesus. Shared look of, oh, dear. Scandalous. <laughs> they agree on six balls, but the flowers are up in the air. I, we never get a determination on that one. <laughs> Daphne reminds him that no one can know of their arrangement or of her punching out the creeper because a rumor of her being alone with a man and punching him would ruin her. He says he has no plans to start a scandal. And she says, with you, it comes naturally. And I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, at the Featherington, um, the sisters are whispering together at a table in the parlor. And their mother and Lord Featherington are sitting on the other side of the room. The mom wants to know what they're talking about. And apparently they've been talking about Miss Thompson's condition. An older lady leans over, and I think it says this, like, the housekeeper, Mm -hmm. like, the over everything in the house. And she's like, they know. And Penelope wants to know how it happened. Right. Explain, explain yourself, mother. (laughs) And I was like, when a man loves a woman. (laughs) But no, they're, they're not going to have that conversation today. Mother Feather shuts this shit down, like, right now. And... Lord Featherington is telling Mom Feather to stop being so hysterical. And Penny wants to know why they have to keep away from her. And the mom says that her condition is catching. Like, they could get pregnant just by being in the room with her. And they all look appalled. Like, oh, shit. Have I been too close to her as it is? Like, clearly these girls must be very young. And also, I guess they just don't really have the talk in 1813. No, no. 
because this comes up here in just a second. Eloise and Penelope are walking about in town and Eloise is bad because Daphne is in love and she feels like that's some kind of accomplishment, which it isn't really because she didn't build that man. He simply showed up, which I was like, yes, Eloise. <laughs> he, and she's like, and he just likes your face and your hair. It's like, no, that's, <laughs> yes, queen, I love you. Uh-huh. She's like, that's not an accomplishment. You know what's an accomplishment? Attending university. If I were a man, I could do that. And I was like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She's like, but I have to stand back and wait for a man to fall for my sister's hair to, and fill her up with babies. And I was like, it really is a shitty system. It's like the worst. Yes. And then Penelope says, I know someone who's having a baby. And Eloise is like, is it your mom? She's old, but your dad always wanted a boy. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible. And she's like, no, it's um, it's a maid. And Eloise is, which one of your maids is married? And Penelope's like, she's not. Eloise is completely confused. Then how would she have a child if she's not married? She's so innocent. Sweet baby. Sweet, sweet baby. And she's like, I don't know, but I will find out. Eloise tells her, you must. Otherwise, how can we make sure it never happens to us? We have accomplishments to acquire. We don't want to get no babies. And I was like, oh. I don't need to catch a baby. I love you, Eloise. That scene was funny. So at the Bridgerton home again, and the younger kids, the younger boy and girl, and hey, I was listening to the other episode, and I was thinking about it. So we got Anthony, we got Benedict, Mm -hmm. we got Colin, we got Daphne, we got Eloise. Who is Sister F? Fran, because they mentioned her. Fran. I made made a point, because Hyacinth says that it's a shame that Fran has gone practicing piano with an aunt and will miss Daphne's engagement. I was like, ah, oh, I don't remember an F. But anyway, the, those two younger kids are incredulous that someone actually danced with Daphne. Because sitting here, we're, <laughs> we're talking about what happened at the dance. Daphne's playing piano. And the younger girl's name is Hyacinth, which I think is a really pretty name. I think so, too. And Colin and Benedict are sitting on the couch together. Also, they're like, people were paying attention to Daphne. Whatever. We don't believe it. And her mom is going through a list of upcoming events on the social calendar. And she's like, is the dude coming to this one? What about this one? And suddenly Eloise just busts into the room. She's like, okay, how does a lady come to be a child? I want answers right now. <laughs> and it was like, it was like a record scratch. It was like, and the <laughs> piano stops. The room is dead quiet. And she's like, look, I thought you had to be married, but that seems like it's not a requirement. So what gives? And Mama Bridge is like, um, okay, well, that's uh, enough of that. We're, we're not going to talk about that in this house either. Eloise goes over and sits between the brothers on the couch. And she's like, I bet you two know. <laughs> and and Bene- Benedict says, hey, don't look at me. And Colin says, have you ever visited a farm? And Benedict just whacks him up on the back of the head. And they leave. And at the same time, a servant comes to tell them that Humboldt is coming and everybody was like what and I was thinking do I know who this is should I know who this is I don't know I think he must be one of the head butler people he's the one that announces when suitors are coming he's that dude but I thought did you did you catch what Colin says before they're leaving he's like we're leaving mother we're just going to take our sticks out and she's like what yes he's like no what we're just going fencing and i was like oh colin oh colin you're so silly Mm -hmm. he he says you have callers miss daphne and she's thrilled because now she can actually start checking these guys out and figuring out who she likes because she's got this ruse going and her mom is very confused because she's like uh but the duke what because obviously she does not know about 
Daphne's plan. Yeah. And she's like, well, you already have the dupe. She's like, yeah, now I have more. Hmm. (laughs) Things are rough all over. And outside the house is just a flurry of men and gifts. Everybody's arriving in coaches and coming to hang out with Daphne. Nantney arrives with Creeper in tow, and they are pissed. They rush in, and Antony is the worst. He's throwing his hat at... Dick. He's throwing his hat at butlers and pushing them off the stairs, just screaming, move. Like, he is awful. And Creeper Bearbrook says, I thought I was going to be the only one here. Wine, wine, wine. I, I wore my satin knee breeches for the occasion. Wine, wine, wine. <laughs> Meanwhile, he has, like, the tiniest bruise on his cheek. And I was like, he got knocked out from that. That knocked him out. <laughs> Bearbrook says, Anthony, you gave me your word that I was to marry Daphne. And he says, yep, you were the only one who proposed, but right now you need to leave while I figure this out. So he kicks everyone out, and Mama is pissed because they were having fun. They had all these nice boys there, and everybody was paying attention to Daphne. And Anthony says, well, they all need to leave because she's already engaged. And Mom says, wait, the Duke already asked? I I didn't, you didn't mention that. Daphne says, no, no one has proposed to me. She turns to Anthony, and she's like, you promised me to Nigel Bearbrook. And mom is, oh, no, you didn't. And Anthony says, he, he's a fine choice. And she's like, I have other choices now. We don't, we don't need to, we don't need to do this. And Anthony makes it sure that she knows you have suitors, not proposals, like you do from Creepy Creeperson. And mom's like, well, Daphne's charmed a juke. That's changed everything. Um, well, they've only danced twice at a ball. And, you know, Colin has done the same thing with Penelope Featherton. So right. it really doesn't mean much. And Mom's like, well, they promenaded this morning, you know, that's a huge deal. And he sent flowers today for both of us. And I was like, ooh, baller move there, Duke. Mm -hmm. And he's, well, you know, he's not serious. I'm acting on your best interest. The contract with Creeper will be drawn up. Daphne's mad. She is not marrying him. And Mama says, well, no worries. Once Creeper sees the Duke's intentions, he will retreat. He may not respect a woman's choice. He certainly will respect a man's. Ah, gross. Gag. Daphne's like, well, if the Duke is not serious, I shall have others. And Mama says, I saw the way the two of you looked at each other. There are no others. Mm." Yeah, Daphne's face is like, oh, fuck. Because, I mean, she thought the plan would be she'd get everybody else interested in her. And then the Duke would kind of be like, okay, back. Bye-bye. But Mama is so fixed on the Duke now that there's... There's no one else. There's because he's a plan duke. is falling apart. I mean, he's, he's got to be better than the tea farmer from down the road or whatever the next big thing is. Not that know. poet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the duke and some other guy are boxing in a ring, shirtless with no gloves, and this other guy is easily twice the duke size, if if not more. They're talking about the dance, and the big guy is like, wow, you really dance with the Briggerton girl twice, and he is kicking Simon's whole entire ass this whole time. All of a sudden, Anthony, his dumbass, barges into the building, and the other guy gets out of the ring, and Anthony climbs in. He throws a punch that misses by a mile and a half, and Simon just punches him in the side like no big deal. Anthony says, are you courting my sister? And the Duke is like, well, should I not be? And Anthony says, no. Uh, Number one, she's my sister. Number two, she's already engaged. And number three, she's my sister. And then he punches Simon in the face, and the other dude laughs. 
I don't know who this other guy is, but I like him a lot. Yeah, he's his good friend. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> that kicks his ass regularly. They keep uh, what I refer to in quotes as boxing because it's yeah. just basically Simon punching Anthony like all over while Anthony talks about why Burbrook is a Burbrook is Bearbrook. I'm going to get it right. You should listen to the gag reel for last. Just fast forward to the from last episode. It is me not being able to speak any English. So while Anthony talks about why Bearbrook is a suitable husband for Daphne and Simon is like, well, Nigel Bearbrook is not without his faults. Like, namely, he will physically assault a woman, (laughs) but he's not spilling that tea yet. Anthony says, I know we're friends, but this is my family and they come first. So basically leave my sister alone because honestly I have to say that all Anthony has heard from the Duke probably the entire time he's ever known him you know since back at Oxford is I have no interest in getting married I'm not going to continue my line I don't want my title and now three days here and he's smitten with his sister and is courting her and insinuating these things about continuing like a long-term relationship and he's he's probably like what the fuck man like for the past however many years what happened all that and I'm sure they have all slept with the same people and they just yeah. know how they they know that each other is very slutty and whatevs. No yeah. slut shaming. Whatever. Okay. No. Yeah. No. I these mean, dudes. I'm, I'm these these dudes. Fine. These dudes are, are fuck boys. And they've been all over the place and they just know yeah, exactly. that's what they are. So. Exactly. Exactly. And now it's like he's done a 180 and Anthony's like, I'm trying to get a respectable husband for my sister not somebody who's gonna be on to the next flavor of the week yeah next time a soprano walks in you know because we like those sopranos (laughs) so now we are seeing simon at age four he is being watched over by a governess nanny type lady and he doesn't speak he can write well but he just doesn't speak so dad comes in and he's pissed and he's looking at this governess lady and he's like what you know like what the fuck's wrong with him he will have to speak speak and so he grabs a brush and he's about to beat him into talking when Simon says no. And then he's trying to tell him, Duke, stop. But he has a terrible stutter. The Duke flips his fucking lid because a stutter makes him an imbecile for some reason. We've been granted this line. The monarchy declared it, but it will only remain ours as long as we remain extraordinary. The Hastings name cannot fall into the hands of a halfwit. And then he freaks out and says, get him out of my sight. This boy is dead to me. So he's obviously, you know, father of the year. He's great. Mm. He's awesome. So we are back at the Featherton's house and Marina is in her bed reading letters because she's pregnant. So she must be locked away. Penelope kind of stops and knocks on the door and she's brought her a little plate of sweets for her to eat while they're out because they're going to the ball and she's going to be by herself. And Marina says, you know, you can come in and join me. And Penelope's like, okay, and sneaks in. Like, I'll chance the pregnancy. I don't want the germs. (laughs) But think about that. (laughs) But you've got cake and that sounds like fun. She's like, you know, I think it's great that you're not going to be sent home. And Marina's like, yeah, because I don't know how my father would react to my condition. Penelope is here for answers. She's like, how did it happen? And Marina says, cake. <laughs> See Penelope look at that cake like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> She's like, uh, okay, no. <laughs> oh, I've done everything wrong. <laughs> So Marina starts to tell her the story of that at home, their vicar was prone to four to five hour long sermons. 
So she would get so hungry during these sermons, she would almost faint from hunger and exhaustion. So one day, the eldest crane boy, who was, you know, a boy in her church, named George, sneaked her some cake and biscuits. And then from there, it started that he was sneaking her tiny notes back and forth for months. So now... Sir George is in Spain fighting for Wellington. I don't know what that means. I didn't. I just said fighting a war. Yeah. But he continues <laughs> to write. And so she like throws back her sheet and there's all these letters on her bed. And Penelope says, so your condition was brought about by, she's like, please don't say cake. Please don't say cake. Please don't say cake. <laughs> and she's like, Marina says love and hands her one of the letters to read. I didn't zoom in on any of these letters. I don't know what they said. Maybe. So hopefully they were wonderful. I'm sure they were filled with sweet nothings. So we're in a room now with the queen and there is someone in high heels in the middle of the room. And I said they were performing extreme yoga. You know, it was like, they're all flipped around. They're just trying to entertain the queen. She could not care less. (laughs) I said a contortionist is flailing about on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Her head is bent and like, she, she should be dead. But the queen is reading the gossip mag. That's what she hears about right now. A servant, his name is Brimsley. He walks in with a report on the medical condition of the king. And she's like, okay, if you're not coming in here to tell me that the doctor says he's dead, I'm really not interested. (laughs) And also bring me my stationery. So that's the end of that quick little scene. Next, we see someone pulling up to the Bridgerton house in a carriage with a note that's addressed to Lady Bridgerton. And it's on, like, the royal stationery. So we know this is the note written by the queen. Lord Bridgerton takes it inside, and the girls are all getting ready for the ball tonight. A maid enters the room panting like she's just run a marathon, and she hands the letter from the queen to Lady Bridgerton. Apparently, she is invited to a private tea with the queen in two days. And, hmm, what's that going to be about? We don't know yet. Cut now to outside of Lady Danbury's house, and we see the Duke in his very formal, very flattering black suit. He looks great. She's like, you need more color. I'm like, nope, I like it. Leave it alone. I know. She asked me why he wears so much black, and I was like, because he's Johnny Cash. Because he's sexy. Leave it alone, woman. Quick flashback to young Simon with his governess. Lady Danbury walks into the room, and she says, well, you're not dead after all. She apparently hadn't heard any news of him from his father or anyone else. She says, your mother would be horrified to know that her dearest friend was a stranger to her son. She introduces herself to him, and he doesn't say anything back to her. She's like, well, apparently you haven't learned any manners. So she's like, well, I mean, have you learned to read? And he nods and write. He nods. Ride a horse. He nods. And she's like, oh, well, why aren't you in school? And he says... And he stutters and he says, because he can't speak. And she tells him about how when she was a little girl, she was afraid of everything. But one day she decided that instead of being frightened of everything, she would make herself frightening. I just love this too. whole little I part with Lady Danbury. She said, I became the most terrifying creature in any room I entered. She says, you can speak. I will help you overcome this stammer. And she takes his hand. And then I guess that's the that's the end of the governess. He is off to live with Lady Danbury now. And he looked about, I want to say, you know how we do love ages around here. I'm going to say he looked around six or seven. What did you I was thinking seven to nine. I thought he was a little older. I love, she said she became frightening. She said, I sharpened my wit 
my wardrobe, and my eye. So she just became a straight-up bitch, and she tears people apart, which I love. But then she tells them, I'm going to take you with me, but you must promise me that when you step into the light that you will be worthy of the attention you command. I was like, and he has, because mm, he's cute. Oh, I want to say one part really quick. Yeah. That when they showed the last scene and she and him walk out of the room holding hands, they like fade into the next scene where they walk into the ball yes. and they're holding hands. And I kind of love that. Okay. Yeah. From when he, the, the, how he's grown up and how he stepped into yeah. the light with her. Love yes. it. <sighs> so at the ball, Simon is escorting Lady D and all eyes are on him. And then Daphne enters and all eyes are on her. <laughs> Woo. And he comes up and he asks her to dance. And Lady D, which I just call her that, asks Anthony to fetch her a drink and sweets for the evening. Like, be a good boy. Go get me some things and stop worrying about what your sister's doing. Thanks. Bye. Daphne tells Simon, we must fan the flames of her charade. And he goes, oh, yeah, I heard about Lord Bearbrook. She says, well, we have to make him think you're going to propose any minute so he will leave me alone. You have to be glued to my side and we must look like we're enjoying ourselves. So they dance and smile and all eyes are on them except for Bearbrook's. Well, his eyes are there and he's glaring and Anthony comes over and makes brother Benedict go dance with Daphne so he can yell at Simon and he says you know why are you dancing with my sister and he's like well would you rather insult your sister (laughs) oh you just want her to marry a loathsome toad and I was like cue the toad because here comes Creeper (laughs) Creeper says I will happily restate my intentions for your sister for her beauty and her grace and Simon says her powerful right hook (laughs) and I was like yeah Creeper says, I'd like to avoid any further misunderstanding or embarrassment. And then he turns to Anthony and says, are you just too friendly with the Duke or too intimidated by his rank? What's the deal? Because I've already signed the paperwork that we are going to be engaged. Anthony says, no worries. I'm taking care of it. Could you just step back and give me a minute? Creeper says, well, perhaps she'll return my affections over time. Simon is done. He's like, yeah, you want to talk about how you got that black eye? And he's, no, no, I was quite careless with a cabinet door. And he says, no. He was careless with his honor. He attempted something that I will not even dignify with words when your sister planted one in his face. And Anthony's like, no, Daphne would have told me. And Simon's like, would she? Because I don't think you guys are that close. Would you? I don't think so. And Anthony is all of a sudden like, oh, oh, no. He turns to Bearbrook and he says, you will never speak to my sister again. And he says, well, we were going to be married. You promised. He says, no, you'll be buried if you look in her direction. Be thankful you will not take a punch from another Bridgerton. Daphne picks up moment to come over and be like, what's, what's, what's going on? Anthony tells her, you don't worry about Bearbrook. And Daphne turns to Simon. She's like, you told him? And he's like, all is well. I assure you, everything's fine. Daphne says, well, despite what you and my brother may think, I am quite capable of speaking for myself. Nigel still feels entitled, and now people are watching, and it's true. The whole room has turned to look at this big argument. So Daphne storms off, because now the gossip is going to start flowing. And people are like, why? Why are they fighting? Why why isn't the engagement going through? What's happening? I love how she is smiling as she's, like, killing him with the darts (laughs) coming out of her eyes. She's trying so hard to not just blow completely up at him. Back at the Danbury house after the ball, and Simon is helping Lady Danbury out of the carriage, and she's basically like, please don't fuck it up with Daphne. Like, not in those words, but basically in those words. And (laughs) instead of going inside for the evening, the Duke decides to go for a walk. And what do you know? Here's Creeper Creeper creeping, following him. He wants Simon to talk to Anthony again. And he says, last night was a mistake, a temporary lack of judgment. I'm like, 
does is it just mm-hmm. me or does last night seem like a hundred years ago? Yeah, yeah. Like that seemed like that happened last month. And it was yesterday. I was like, God, the show just dragging on and on. It drags on forever. (laughs) Simon is like, whatever, starts to walk away from him. And Creeper follows him saying, you don't need her. You already have money. You have a title. I need her. And Simon says, I think that who she ends up with should be up to Miss Briggerton. And Creeper says, and oh, my God, fuck this guy. He, (laughs) He says, when I buy a horse, I do not negotiate with the horse. Oh, my God. Just refer to the woman you want to marry Mm -hmm. as a horse? Fucking A. Then it gets even worse. He's like, well, why haven't you proposed to her since you like her so much and she likes you unless you've already had her? And Simon, that's it. He turns Mm -hmm. around, gets right in his face, and he's like, "Uh, you need to stop talking. I shall not have you question the lady's unimpeachable honor again. And apparently... Like Daphne says, it's like the word of a man, and that appeases mm-hmm. Bearbrook. And he's like, okay, I, I guess they really haven't done anything. Simon says he doesn't deserve to breathe the same air as her. And as he walks away, Creeper just can't contain himself, and he makes like a little dig at Simon about his mother. And that's it. And he just makes Bearbrook his personal punching bag, beats the shit out of the sky, and he's still conscious. I'm like, either Daphne like hit him right, right in the sweet spot, or what? Well, I don't know, but that bothered me. I was like, he beat the ever loving shit out of him. <laughs> like, did full like what is that show? American History X. Oh, he was like yeah. gonna curb stomp his ass, and he's still not knocked out. Daphne goes boop, and he's knocked <laughs> out. Okay, so we go back in time again, and Lady Danbury and. Lord Bassett walk into the dad's study. So she's brought Simon to see his dad. And dad says, well, this is a most unwelcome intrusion. I didn't want to see you guys. She's like, well, I thought you should know that your son is alive and well. Your staff seems quite surprised about that. And he's like, why are you here? I told you that, you know, I wanted him to die. I'm not interested. And Simon speaks clearly and says, Father, I have high marks. I ride. I fence. I shoot. And then he starts to say more. And we've realized that he stutters when he's nervous. Mm -hmm. So he starts to stutter a little bit and he pauses. And the dad turns and looks at him and says, you are my worst failure. And Lady D's like, um, what? (laughs) What did you just say? And I beg your pardon. He says, I'm sure you do. And she said, well, I shan't again. This boy is going to be the next Duke of Hastings. He requires a fatherly nature that resides in your frigid heart. Dad tells her that her place is out of his sight with her bitch mouth shut. And I was like, oh, I hate this guy so much. And Simon turns back to his dad and he says, I wrote you many times to tell you I'm not dead. You know, did you get my letters? And he says, it's bad enough to know you will one day have this title. I don't want to witness your struggle. That's an insult. You are as useless as your mother. I will forget you like I did her. And we cut back. And now adult Simon is in his father's study. And he has opened up a drawer of his dad's desk. And there are all the letters he sent him unopened. Because he's a dick. But he kept them. I guess. I mean, wouldn't you think he'd throw them away? Yeah. Or just so he could find them later, like, haha, I never opened up. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what that was about, you know? Wow. Wow. That's the long con right there, you know? Right? Right. Okay, so we're in Daphne's room, and she's reading a scandal page, uh, Miss Lady Whistledown's scandal page, and Whistledown is asking, why would Daphne entertain a baron 
when she has secured a duke. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Could the debutante's mind not be the only thing amiss? And I was like, so the rumors are already starting that something is wrong. So a maid is is in there, and she's telling Daphne all about how she makes her own rouge and blah, 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 and let's put some on. And Daphne's irritated and snaps at her when she suggests that, you know, the Duke will like this color. And I was like, oh, this poor lady who's just, like, selling her, selling her Mary Kay in this room. <laughs> she's having the worst day. <sighs> um, so we're at a picnic, and Lady Whistledown on the voiceover is saying that if this bizarre behavior shows another scandal, I will uncover it. So this whole Daphne thing. There's nothing like an excursion into nature to lift the spirits and loosen the tongue. So everybody's out on this picnic. And the catty bitches are walked by Daphne and say, I hear she's courting Bumbling Bearbrook. A perfect match. Like, oh, she's so awful. And I was like, oh, poor Daphne. And the Feathertons are all alone again, as usual, because nobody wants to hang out with them because they suck. And Eloise stops by, and Penelope says, Mama, can I go play with with Eloise? And her mother's like, ladies, do not play. She's like, okay, may I go promenade for suitors with mm-hmm. Eloise? And she's like, yes, go do that. <laughs> go do that. And they're like, uh, yeah. So Eloise grabs her by the arm, and Eloise wants all the tea on the preggers made, and Penelope said, she said it was love. And Eloise is like, uh... That doesn't make sense because, no, that doesn't make sense at all. You can't make a baby with love. That's not working. She's just like, my mom has three kids, so. That's what Penelope's like, yeah, look at my mom. There are three kids and there is no love there. (laughs) That is like true. Well, Eloise is asking about the maid. She's like, well, how is she? And Penelope says, she seems scared and wants to escape to the country where she and her lover will marry. And Eloise says, marriage is a mistake. Her life will be over. It's not an escape. So. Yeah, Eloise just has a real, like, downer view on marriage. I mean. She's smart. <laughs> she was like, oh, she wants to escape in the country and she gets married. And Eloise is basically like, oh, wow. No, that sucks. Um, Okay. So Anthony walks up to Daphne and he tells her that he didn't know about what Bearbrook tried to do. Uh, I would have helped you if you had told me. And she's like, uh, yeah, would you have believed me? You only changed your mind because another man told you what happened. Mm-hmm. She's like, I mean, I tried to tell you I didn't want to be with him. Like, I didn't say exactly what had happened. But she's like, you didn't care that I didn't want to be with him. Like, why do you need to know all the details? I said I didn't like it. Uh, the Duke shows up on his horse. Looking good. He's looking, looking good re- on He's looking horse. real good. And I like how he just gets off of it and he just walks away from it because he knows somebody's <laughs> going to take care of it. It's it's like when, like, modern times when people pull into a restaurant and they just, like, fly, flip Throw the, the keys. keys up and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he and Daphne decide to promenade and there's lots of promenading. And she notices his hand. He said he heard it boxing, which, you know, it's not, it's not a lie. It's just mm-hmm. that his opponent was on the ground and and <laughs> now she wants him to button her cuff on her sleeve while other men are watching and he tells her that lord bearbrook is taken care of and she's like well have you seen what lady whistledown has been writing we're not done with this little charade i still need a husband they have a cute little exchange here about marriage and love. I didn't write it all down, but it's very sweet. And, uh-oh, here comes Nigel charging through the park, and he looks like he was a personal punching bag last night. 
he looks fucked up this time. No more little, little black guy. It's his whole face. And she's like, oh shit, what have you done talking to Simon? Lord Bearbrook has brought a special license for his wedding to Daphne. <laughs> and she says, well, I'm not marrying you. And even Anthony says, I told you the arrangement was canceled. And Mama Bridge just says, oh, Lord Bearbrook, you look like you're in a lot of pain. You want to just like take this conversation somewhere else? And Bearbrook does exactly what Daphne was scared of. He tells everyone how they were alone together on the dark walk and how scandalous that news would be if it got out. And in three days, I will marry Daphne. I look forward to the union of our great families. And I was like, God damn it, Anthony, this is all your freaking fault, really. Mm -hmm. Daphne looks like she's about to cry. Simon looks like he wants to tear Bearbrook in half. So in the carriage on the way home, Anthony says he will issue a challenge to Bearbrook like a duel. And their mom says, absolutely not. It's illegal for one thing. And for another thing, just it's a duel. That's no. I just I had in there. Anthony has turned into Liam Neeson talking about his special set of skills (laughs) and how he can destroy him. And mom says, yeah, you overestimate your skills. And I was like, oh, burn. Daphne says that's not a solution. You can't just shoot him. And besides, he could tell every like you could schedule this duel or whatever, and then he could go and tell everybody else before it, and we'll all be ruined. I must marry Nigel Bearbrook. It's the only choice. Eloise is just shocked and appalled by the whole thing. So Daphne goes home and and just has a perfect snit. She's just throwing all the flowers away from her suitors, and she's just oh, I can't handle it. Mama Bridge comes in and tells her she taught her to believe that marriage is the best that life has to offer. You have to look past having a partner. You will have comfort and a house to tend and children. You will throw yourself into raising your family. And I was like, fucking gross. Because they're all going to like like him. Gross. Oh, God, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they're all going to be gross. Ew. And Daphne says, you and dad were beautiful. That is what I wanted. That was what I hoped to find. And her mom said, yeah, me too. I really wanted that for you too. Oh. But here we are. So Eloise is outside. She's sitting on a swing. I think she's sitting on a swing. Yep. And she's smoking. And I could not love her more. Because this is so not something that a woman of society should be doing. And Benedict comes out and catches her and she's like, okay, you got me. You're going to yell at me. And he's like, yeah, can I bum one? Cause I want one too. And he sits down next to her and she's like, suppose I desired something different. Suppose I wanted a different life than dresses and balls. I'm capable of something more, but I'm not allowed to have something else. And he says, well, I would say you are not the only one. And I was like, oh, hold up. Are we saying Benedict's gay? Is this where this is going? Mm. So I feel like we're going to say that Benedict's going to be the gay character because this is where that's going. So back in the boxing ring and Simon is getting his ass kicked. Friend asks if he's still with Daphne and he says she's getting married. And he says, cool, you now you can do what you want. Party! <laughs> and Simon says, hey, um, can you just punch me again? <laughs> punch me until I feel something. <laughs> God. Oh, that reminds me of like Jamie from the center. Wasn't there something like that with him? I don't know. I just reminded me of Claire. Like, can you hit me? Hit me across the face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I was like, somebody we've done is has had the same attitude. These people, I tell you what. So in the Bridgerton parlor now with Mama Bridge, and she's reading the letter from the Queen. And so we know that this tea time has arrived. And she's now in the castle, and the Queen is waiting for her. And for some reason, she's also holding, like, a Pomeranian. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. And she's snorting what I assume is, like, the 1813 version of cocaine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And 
she just looks at Lady Bridgerton and she's like, so um, what do you think? And she's like, um, about the music? Because there's like a quartet, string quartet playing. She's like, it's great. Is it Mozart? And the queen starts going on this little tangent about how she made Mozart the great composer he is. And then suddenly she asks Brimsley, the, the guy from the beginning, she asks him to go get her some fresh snuff. So after he walks out, she tells Mama B that he is a terrible gossip. And if he were in the room while we were talking, everybody would know what we talked about. Anyway, she says, I expected a great future for someone like your daughter, a pairing with, uh, I don't know, a duke. And like, this is the fastest snuff run ever because Mm -hmm. Brimsley is right back in the room in three seconds. And the queen clears her throat really quick, like, you know, cut it. We're not talking about that. But she continues on about Mozart. And as we listen, we realize that she's not really talking about Mozart. She's talking about Daphne. And it's very clear that the queen thinks that she should marry the duke. So... The plan is that they are going to invite Lady Burbrook over to the Bridgerton house at once. And I was like, there's a Lady Burbrook? Oh, is there a Lady it's, Burbrook? It's a mama. <laughs> of course it is. So Nigel's mommy comes to tea and she is down in cakes like there's no tomorrow <laughs> and saying how Nigel is her one and only son. God did not bless her with another because he is perfection. Mm. Not everybody can be so blessed, she says. And she says, Daphne, let me look at you. You look healthy, but you look drawn. You must try harder, dear. My Nigel is very picky. He's already turned away more handsome debutantes. He said, I apprise accomplishment over beauty. No, they didn't didn't want anything to do with you, you creepy creep. (laughs) So in the kitchen at the Bridgertons, the maids are all kind of congregating around, but Lady Bearbrook's maid is standing there and she says, we guess we need to make some more biscuits because Lady Bearbrook is eating a ton of cookies. <laughs> so the um, housekeeper runs out. So the maids are left alone. Rose, who is Daphne's maid, turns to the Bearbrook's maid and says, housekeepers believe they are the sun and the moon when it's us who runs the house. You have it easy being with only one lady and, and the Lord Bearbrook to look after. And the Bearbrook's maid's like, it's not that great. It kind of sucks. And I was like, oh, we're spilling the tea mm-hmm. at tea time. Let it rip, honey. Back to Lady Bearbrook. She says, Daphne, you ate not one bite at tea, dear. You need to eat if you're going to bear children. Kippers on rye worked when I conceived Nigel. And I was like, he looks like a kipper. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that, Bob's right. That tracks. Mm-hmm. And then so she leaves and Mama Burbrook turns to the maids and says, okay, what do you know? Because, you know, the help hears everything. And Rose says, well, Lord Burbrook had a baby with one of his maids that he refuses to provide for. He sent the maid and the child away to live on scraps. And Daphne's like, so big deal. He's going to deny it. And who's going to believe a group of women over a man's word? And Mama Bridge says, maybe. But if Lady Whistledown hears it, then people are going to start believing it. So we will do what women do. We will talk. Oh, I love it. Smart. Yes. So now we are talking and we see scenes from all around town of Mama Bee and the head housekeeper lady. And they're discreetly but not so discreetly talking about these rumors and of course the news starts spreading like wildfire and we hear Lady whistle down and she's caught wind of the story too and she's running with it and we see everyone around town reading the gossip 
rag, including the queen. And the queen's like, yes, the plan worked. Mm -hmm. And finally, we see Lord Bearbrook reading it. And every man in this parlor or smoking room or whatever he's in is glaring at him. And Lady Whistledown says, I think we shall soon see his leaving for the country to send some overdue money to this maid and this kid of his. So later that evening, Mama Bridgerton is in her sitting room. She's looking quite pleased with herself, as she should be. This is a good plan. And Anthony comes in and says he heard Lord Bearbrook has left town. You know anything about that? And the mom's like, meh, no, I don't know anything about that. And he says, well, fine. I just wanted to let you know that I've decided I will handle things differently in the future. And she says, or perhaps not at all. Like, we can handle this. She says, I'm perfectly capable of managing things with the family. Thanks. But no, thanks for your help, Anthony. I love that she tells him, she's like, oh, look at my embroidery. I um, made this for Daphne. Tulips symbolize passion for when she marries the Duke. Or perhaps your bride would like the same. And Anthony's like, ah, <laughs> not getting married. So at the Feathertons, Cousin Marina is writing a letter when the housekeeper walks in and she quits hides the letter. And she says, am I going to be confined here forever? And the housekeeper says, you only have yourself to blame. So I was like, wow, so nine, ten months we're going to be stuck in this room? Yeah, right. with That sucks. So Daphne's getting ready for yet another ball when Eloise walks in. Eloise tells her, I'm glad this business with Bearbrook is over for you. You hear stories about appalling arrangements, and it's all very frightening. And she says, are you frightened of marriage and children? And Daphne, in true Disney princess form, calls children delightful. I love kids. And then she's like, though you are not currently proving my point. And I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. And Eloise goes in the story, and she says, remember Mama screaming that night? You tried to hide me from it by singing to me. And she almost died a few months after Dad had died, and it was awful. And Daphne's like, of course. I'm I'm frightened. I would be a fool not to be terrified. People die in childbirth like a shocking amount around here. Mm -hmm. It's weird. And she's like, yeah, Mama had a terrible night, but at dawn, the world had hyacinth, and we are all richer for it. So she's talking about her mom being a childbirth. So apparently Mom was pregnant when their dad died. So their dad's been gone for a while because this girl's older. Yeah. She says, there are darker turns in the woods than we have been taught to expect, but there is light at the end, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and I know one day you will find it. And Eloise goes, it must be taxing. And Daphne says, what? And Eloise says, this game of pretend you feel like you must endlessly maintain. And I was like, oh, I love you so much. I know. I love you. Yeah, she goes on about all this light and the darkness. And Eloise is like, yeah, cool story. Uh, sucks to be you and have to pretend like you're so happy. So now we're at the ball and there's this champagne fountain. And I was like, now this is a party, you guys. And the Duke and Daphne walk in hand in hand. They immediately start dancing. And Daphne says he should not have lost his temper with Lord Creeper. And he says, well, there's one thing you have to know about me. I will not tolerate a bully. And she <coughs> My says, dad. <laughs> yeah. My dad. Asshole. And <laughs> she says, well, one thing to know about me, I will not have this go wrong. This is not just a ruse anymore. I am taking charge of my life. I am getting married. I'm getting this shit done. And if you aren't willing to help me, then you need to tell me right now that you're out. And he says he agrees to continue with this on one condition, that she calls him Simon. <laughs> and she's like, okay, Simon. And, <laughs> and he says, oh, you think my name is funny? Daphne. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of rude. I like that name. And she says, no. And they lean in like kind of close to each other. Like they're almost getting ready to kiss. And she 
backs away and she says, I'm looking for a husband so I can have a family. And he says, okay, well then let's find you a husband. The dance is over and they walk towards different corners of the room. And before she can even get off the dance floor, though, someone has asked her to dance with him. And uh, Simon's watching her dance with this guy. And she's like in this like long line of holding hands. And then so happy. And Lady Danbury walks up to Simon and says, you two sure do make a captivating match. And then she asks, what in the world is bothering you? Because the weight of the world looks like it's on Simon's shoulders right now. But he says, oh, nothing at all. And he stammers a little bit when he says it. And my heart just like felt that just a little tiny bit. I felt that in my little my little I know. Heart. When when they first start to dance and he runs his hand up her back, I was like, oh, oh, that yeah, was I just, lovely. Yeah, I just got shivers right now. With the <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> and then when he stuttered, I was like, okay, I can see why people like this show. I get it. I get it. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying, guys, it's a bodice ripper. I've seen no bodices ripped, so <laughs> it better be coming on in episode three. Yeah. So at the end of this episode, we cut to adult Simon coming to see his father as he lay dying. So this is fairly recently. And the dad's like, oh, my son, you've returned to take your rightful place. My heart may be failing, but it swells with pride knowing the Duke you have grown into and the great Hastings name shall continue. So now that he's hot, dad's like, oh, all right, you can you can you can take my name. It's cool. And Simon leans in very close and says, listen to me, as I have returned to do one thing only, and that's to make a vow. I will never marry. I will never sire an heir. The Hastings line will die with me. And he says, am I clear, father? Speak, you fucking monster. And the dad dies. What? So his last words to him is calling him a fucking monster. And I was like, yes. Well, and he died. Yeah, good. Bye. Good riddance. Jeez. Yeah, he was the worst. But now we know why he will never marry, because he made this, like, vow because he was pissed at his dad. And when I make a vow, it's forever, okay? I don't even care that you're hot and I touched your back. I don't care. Love? What's that? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Well, I don't know. I thought this episode, I mean, this episode was leaps and bounds more interesting than the first episode. Like, I took a lot of notes because I felt everything was really important and interesting, so they fl- they fleshed I mean they didn't really but they fleshed out characters. I liked having mm-hmm. Simon's backstory. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we're going to get a Daphne backstory because I think she's just all fluff. Yeah. Other I than- don't th- exactly. I don't think you need to know anything more than what you've already been told. She's the illustrious debutante, you know. And then, I mean, this whole, like, I'm going to choose my own life. And I was like, you didn't even want to do that until Eloise said she wanted to do it. So. <laughs> Copycat. Stop. God. Oh, all right, everybody. Well, I know that there are a bunch of people who are out there who have watched this show or who are watching it, and we would love to hear from you and what you think, and do you agree with us thinking this kind of started off as a snooze fest? Like, uh, I don't know. Let us know if there's anything you want us to comment on, and you could do that in, like, a million different places, and where might that be, Tiffany? Uh, you may go follow us on Twitter at That's So Pod. You can go to Facebook and Instagram at That's So Original Podcast. Go to our webpage, That's OriginalPodcast.com. You can send us an email at That's Original Podcast at Gmail. See how easy that is? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like us, review us on iTunes, go check us out on Spotify. We're all over the place. You, you, 
cannot get away from us. That's That's just what it is. We are obnoxiously present in the social media realm. I mean, just find us anywhere. Uh, And thank you very much for listening. Thanks to all the people who comment and like and just engage in any way, shape, or form on any of those mediums. We really, 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 really appreciate it and love you. And this week, I'm not going to talk in your nipple, okay? Like, that was a one-time thing. I'm going to talk in your areola. We will talk in, like, your general, just your general head area. Just, we're going to keep it clean this week. But It sounded like genitals. It sounded like you're going to talk to your genitals. All right. We're out of here. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Dan says, well, tells her, Dan says, I must marry Nigel Burbrook. It's the only chance. Walks up to Simon and says, you two sure do make a captivating pat. That Peppa. See, I can't English. <laughs> and asks her to do. Oh, my God. Okay, Kelly. You sure do. Tiffany? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting. <laughs> You'll get there. Okay. You'll get there. Hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs>